Hello, and welcome to the Grand Cinema Hotel, a podcast hosted by three friends who love cinema. I'm Nathan, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Alvaro and Gus. Tonight, you will be seeing in Room 104, Dune, the latest film by acclaimed director, Denis Villeneuve. So go ahead, get comfortable, and throw in that Do Not Disturb sign as we crash land into Dune. The Spice Menage. What's up, everyone? Thanks for checking back into the Grand Cinema Hotel. We literally just got back from seeing Dune in the theaters, um, so we're still kind of digesting it. Uh, that was my first time seeing it. I know that these two guys, they actually watched it on HBO beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gus, what, what were your opinions on that, seeing it at home versus seeing it in the theaters? Okay, I, I feel like it was justified watching it at home. Obviously, it would be a much better experience the first time to have seen it in the theater. But after our theater experience today, which was not a good one, <laughs> uh, it kind of made sense. Like, I'm not that it made sense, but I was happy that I watched it at home first because nothing was being, like, spoiled for me, like, by the thing that happened. I want to hear Al- what Alvaro has to say, and then let's get back to what happened in the theater. Um, I, I, <laughs> I got to see it the first time in the theater. This is really funny. But... Yeah, our our experience today at the theater was something that's never happened to me. We got we were hearing the sound from Halloween that was right next to us, and that was really distracting because it was happening during one of the most, I think, one of the coolest parts, one of the most quietest parts in the movie. Um, you you guys saw something, a couple other stuff going on, right? Like with people around you guys. Uh, yeah. You know what the scene you're talking about? It's funny because let's just kind of like, uh, set the scene for everybody right now. We're actually recording in my living room instead of like in my kitchen dining room area. And, uh, since Dune is on HBO max, we're live watching it right now as we're recording this and we're at the scene that was ruined for us in the, in the (laughs) theater. (laughs) Um, it's the, it's the, it's the scene where Paul meets the Benny Gesserit for the first time. Uh, it was just so funny, dude. Like, it was one of the worst experiences it, ever. It was just crazy because, I mean, it's like Rose said, it's a very quiet scene. Um, seems to be very important for one of the main kind of storylines going on in this movie. And it's quiet, and you just hear the Halloween theme song playing. Yeah. So, what had happened was that the doors were open for our theater, and then the doors were also open across the hall. And I know that because since I had seen this movie, I had to take a piss halfway through. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go because since I've already seen this. And that's when I realized that the sound was still blasting from the theater across from us. I don't understand why it was so loud. Yeah, I don't know. It really did feel like one of the speakers in our theater was like hijacked by the Halloween music and that it was playing through so it, that was just a weird like fourth wall meta thing to yeah. just hear a comp- like an iconic theme song like the halloween song during this movie it was it was honestly pretty distracting so i know but. we're talking about dune today but halloween kills fucking sucks <laughs> i didn't see it i don't know if i'm gonna see it you don't, <laughs> that was the worst movie i've seen all year yeah, you don't definitely. need to see it you, you don't think so I, no i i agree with you it's probably the worst movie i've seen this year um there's just nothing that you're missing by not watching it. There's yeah, everything. I mean, I don't, I don't really want to use this platform to shit on movies, but that was an exceptionally, like, awful 
movie. And that's why that makes that it the, the sound from it, which I like the score from Halloween, oh, to yeah, be fair. Banger, that's the banger. one part that I do like. But for it to be playing during we're watching this and Nate's watching it for the first time and it's like I want him to get the full experience and enjoy it. And then one of the parts that, like, I like this part a lot too, for it to be this blurry. Because I try to, like, I could ignore sounds. Yeah. You know? I could, or, like, I'm you try so... try your best to, at least. I'm so, like, again, really in... In, like in into this movie. into this scene and everything but i'm like dude this is like blaring on my left side you know and i could just hear you guys laughing too yeah a guy behind us eventually just got up he and did. shut the doors for us he was the the real one on that which it's funny because the scene in question in dune it, it it's still my favorite scene <laughs> yeah and even now that we're watching yeah. it in front of us you're still not hearing the sound no no luckily so, we have subtitles on which maybe you should have used subtitles seen it the first time anyways yeah <laughs> agreed uh I uh, Ro had seen it in like the Dolby IMAX situation. Uh, how did you feel? Did you feel in that first time seeing it that the sound was like overwhelming the dialogue? That's what I was gonna say is um, watching it even there because the speakers are really well. You know, yeah, they're I mean? even better. They're right? like that sound travels across. That's the whole reason why it's special. Um, yeah, there are some sounds where the score is just a little too loud, and this scene specifically, the mom is saying some dialogue when she's like. You know, she's in a very crucial. Yeah, I think yeah, exactly. She's praying, and you can't really hear what she's saying. And then when I've rewatched it on HBO Max with the subtitles, she's saying stuff that is very reminiscent to the themes in this movie. And it sucks that stuff like that just goes right over your head because supposedly being in the theater is the best way to see it, and visually it is because it's a huge screen, and you want to see a spectacle like this on the biggest screen, but. Audio wise, it's. I think there's an argument that it's better right now. We're watching it in four closed doors, not with somebody having to get up to go to the bathroom. You know. Yeah, I mean, what do you really have to say? Like, you're right that this movie does belong on like the biggest possible screen you can see it on, and I unfortunately still have not seen it on the biggest screen <laughs> that is available to me. I've seen it on my TV, which is a pretty decent size. And uh, I know I just made the joke to you guys before we started recording that, hey, if you sit close enough, everything is IMAX, right? <laughs> and we were maybe like three or four rows back of the theater that we were in, which was not that big. I don't know if you guys had noticed that the two rows ahead of us were just completely empty. Like the I row we sat that. in was probably filled, I think, the, the entire row except for like the last seat to the left of us. Um yeah, I mean, it, it does suck when you have these kind of experiences, like with a movie like this that you're so excited for just to have somebody either talking. There was, like, phone flashing. Yeah, there was. There was a lot of stuff going on. But, uh, I mean, I'm gonna, I do want to go see it again. I think I'll definitely see it a third mm -hmm. time. Yeah, I mean, I'm watching it a third time right now, yeah, but right. I would definitely like to see it in, like, the best setting possible. So, moving on from, like, our theater experience and the sound critiques, what, did, what were you guys' overall opinions on the movie? I really liked this movie, like, a lot. I I had been having discussions with Ro since last year about this movie that, like, in the beginning, I wasn't too excited about the, like, the color palette of the movie. And I think maybe it's just because I had always, like, really fucked with, like, the Jodorowsky Dune documentary. And then, like, I do like the David Lynch movie as well. I mean, it doesn't really hold a candle to this one, but it just the, the actual, like, visuals themselves just being so much more colorful um i get that it's like a, a desert planet and there's pretty much only a few colors here right. but uh overall I, I i do think this was like a visually beautiful movie mm -hmm. uh, i was i was uh gladly wrong about this movie 
I felt like I tried to keep my expectations low so that I wouldn't be like expecting too much or disappointed because I really wanted to enjoy this movie and I'm glad that I, I ended up enjoying it. What about you, Ro? I was going to say, um, this is the first movie that I've seen in a while that is like spectacle like this that also is like a part one that I'm a part of. Yeah. like we have Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, and Harry Potter, right? And I was around, I wasn't around for Star Wars, the beginning of it. I was around for Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, but Lord of the Rings, my parents didn't like, or Harry Potter. So really? I only got to see, yeah, like Harry Potter, I saw the first three and that was it. Like I just never got to see him. And then, um, what was the other one I was saying? Sorry. Um, uh, you said Star Wars, Lord he, of the Rings, and Harry Potter. Oh yeah, and then Lord of the Rings, I saw the first one with my uncle and that was it. And I really, really? like the first one, yeah, but yeah. I just feel like when I, when I saw it, I was too much of a kid to appreciate what like the movie. The scope and scale of the movie. Exa- it was just a cool movie. Exactly. And like this was the first movie that I've seen that it's when I like movies and I've heard about Dune and I like the ideas about Dune and I've heard what Dune has inspired and I was able to kind of be there for its for like opening weekend. And so to me, it was it's a very special movie because I feel like I haven't seen too many movies of this scope that I like really, really like. Yeah. And like how the themes that it presents and so much of cool stuff that I like. Like I always tell you guys, like I like space and horror, right? And yeah. there's it's really cool that there's like witches in this and there's time travel. And so the themes that these, this movie has, like I, I really, really like. And I, so I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with both of you. I've really enjoyed this movie. Um, it was something that I've also been looking forward to for a long time. And personally, I'm a big fan of these, you know, big, epic, like, lore-based stories. So, I, to, to be totally honest and transparent, I, don't, I didn't know shit about Dune going into it. I've seen some YouTube videos about, like, you know, video essay type things, but, you know, kind of pay it half attention to that. So, to go into, to be on, like Ro was saying, to be on the forefront of what could eventually be, be like, become one of these massive worlds like cinema universes that they're going to build like they have with like we were talking about star wars lord of the rings harry potter stuff like that game of thrones as well game of thrones exactly can't ignore something like that so to be you know open be there in the theater on opening weekend for something that could span you know eight films over the next 12 15 years is it's exciting um i think one of my biggest critiques of this film is it left me wanting more um, which I don't think is the worst thing that it could have done. Uh, that's definitely not a bad critique. Right? Yeah. Like, it, like, I just want more. Like, I left the theater and immediately was like, I'm going to go home for the next two days probably and binge all the lore that I can on this yeah. because I want to learn. Honestly, this is not something to go into. Like, it's not a bad idea to go into this with some background, I feel like. Um, but I thought it was a really cool movie. Very exciting. I, I really liked it. I did feel like... I had told you guys that I had been like preparing for this movie for, like for a long time, like ever since I had heard that it was announced and it was just something I'd always like wanted to read. I have the book and I still haven't like finished it or even gotten halfway through. But speaking of like Game of Thrones and stuff like that, right? Like I used to love watching Game of Thrones and I really got into like the lore of that, especially since they were doing like the, they're going to do the spinoff shows. I was like, I always feel like some the coolest stuff is the stuff they never talk about. Exactly. Right? That always happens for some reason. Like with Game of Thrones, for instance, like this show that they're going to do, House of the Dragon. This is like the thing I always wanted to see is like, give me the dragons. Give me the cool storyline. Mm-hmm. Give me all of that. Why does that always have to be a thousand years ago? You know? And so like with, with Dune, 
I actually uh, came across this YouTube channel that I would watch, like, the video essays on about Game of Thrones. And that dude had also done Dune as well. Like, Dune is, like, his favorite book series, I think. Um, I think his name is, like, A Song of Ice and Fire. I hope I'm getting that right. Because I'm pretty sure he's probably putting out content about, like, the movie as we speak. So, like, shout out him because he's one of the people who really helped me, like, understand this world as much as I can for someone who hasn't read the book. Um, What did you guys think, like... So since you didn't really know anything going into this, do you feel like you have like a solid understanding of the world itself? I I would say like from from this movie standpoint, I didn't have any questions. I mean, I I did have questions, but like you were just, saying about the lore, though. But right, right, but like talking to you about everything, and you're like, well, this is this, and this is that, and like expanding upon everything. That's when I was like, ah, oh, like that's why I want more. I think. Yeah, this movie um, easily could have been longer. I think. That's what you were saying, right? That's the other thing is this is what it's two and a half hours. I think it could have easily been three, three ten. Uh, yeah, I would not have been disappointed if it was that long. Honestly, I wish it could have been. And I think that feeling that he has about, I can't get everything that you've been talking about, telling us, like telling us about that Dune has that this didn't have, is why this. A lot of people thought this was a cursed movie to do for a long time, and that it would be really hard for anybody to pull this off. Why Jodorowsky? It was just an abandoned project, and why some people that really like the books don't seem to like the older movie because there's always yeah too that much. older movie really is a cursed project because yeah. david lynch just doesn't acknowledge that movie he won't talk about that movie there's no director commentary about that movie i i believe he tried to have his name removed from the film which i think is somewhat of an exaggeration i know that like someone like david lynch is one of our great auteurs right but i still think at the end of the day that that dune movie is not something to be ashamed of it is what it is and i know that's a cliche saying but I've I've seen it a couple times and I enjoy it. I mean, there's no way it holds a candle to this and on a technical level, on the the spectacle scope yeah. level of it all. Like this is truly an epic, the 2021 version. But the 1984 version is fun, and I don't know. I think if they would have pushed it to two, like to three or three ten, that they could have probably gotten the story. And because if, if David Lynch was able to do it in two sixteen, I really think someone like Denis Villeneuve could do it. I mean, no disrespect to David Lynch at all, but I I think that Denis Villeneuve probably could have gotten this in one. Yeah, because the the thing that I feel like the the thing that I knew about Dune going in, the one thing that I did know is that it was a gigantic world. Yeah, like Dune is. Thousands of years, right? And galaxies. It's, it's, you see all these different other authors, like we were talking about, like George R. R. Martin, and you know, even George Lucas with Star Wars, like picking out pieces of Dune and using it for their. Like Dune seems to be like a foundation of a lot of sci-fi. Yeah, it really be- is. Like because of the, the mothership of, the, of right, sci-fi, right, so much to choose from. So, in order to capture everything, I don't mind. I mean, I'm hoping that the second. The second movie, I mean, obviously it's going to expand on the story, but yeah, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm excited. I'm Hopefully excited. the second movie gets made. I know it seems like it's going to be like, I know the executive of one of these executives at Warner Brothers said that Dune is not going to be, its sequel is not going to be based off of the box office numbers just because of the situation we're in. But I just don't know if I really trust Warner Brothers with the situation that's been going on with, like, Christopher Nolan leaving, all the directors being pissed off about their movies being straight to streaming, which, hey, I like that they're straight to streaming, that I don't always have to go, because not every movie I do want to see in the theater, to be honest. But just how they've treated Zack Snyder, how they've treated some of the actors who are in those movies, just Warner Brothers is not really the the cleanest of characters when it comes to studios. So I could see them just 
saying fuck it and pulling the plug on this. It it's happened before with multiple movies of theirs. And the fact being that like we had talked about, like they're probably gonna need like how many movies to do this whole series? <laughs> At least seven or eight. Right. So I mean, and then, you know, fifteen years or so probably to do that. It, the attention span today, I don't know if anybody's gonna want to wait that that's long. That's what worries me. And you just have to also consider like, you know, actors coming and going, like that happens in so many other different projects. So yeah. that's I, the only thing that is kind of got me a little scared about this potential franchise, but I think it has a lot of potential. So I do think that's uh, why I feel confident that they are going to make the second one because Villain News has been coming out and saying that this was just the appetizer. And I think you had mentioned something about that, Gus, that he had just said that this one is kind of to introduce some things and the second one was going to be more action-based. And I think that the only reason why he took so long to set the stage in this one is because he knows he's going to get the green light on the second one. And David Lynch, I don't think knew David Lynch knew that like, this is something they're going to give me one shot to do. It was cursed from like since production started. Exactly. So he's like, I get one shot at this and it sounds like he did not like what he came up with. I don't know why David Lynch had ever even agreed to do Dune. I'm sure it was the money to be honest, but it was his third movie. And I just don't get why he thought that he like this was it for him because he had turned down Return of the Jedi. They had uh, George Lucas had asked him to direct Return of the Jedi. And he was that. like, no thanks. So I just don't get why. Maybe it was because it was already someone else's franchise and Dune would have been a fresh start for him. But I'm kind of glad it didn't work out and we don't have all these Dune movies to go back on right. and that this just isn't some reboot series that's going on like the reboot hell that we're living in like right now. They're doing something new and Correct. original. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Well, right. original. <laughs> yeah, right. original. It's still IP yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day. Um, a novel. I'm calling it IP. I apologize. Yeah. Let me uh, <laughs> let me ask you guys this question. Um, so besides the story, like we're not critiquing the story, but from from this film standpoint, what was your favorite part? Ooh, like what? Yeah, like, like a like a. Not, I know not, we're not, not really a, doing not a scenes, scene, right? Not a scene or anything, but like we're not doing we'll a do break. Co- yeah. Costumes or imagery or landscapes or acting. I think the acting is extremely strong in this movie. I mean, I kind of I'm not the biggest Timothy Chalamet fan, but I don't necessarily have anything bad to say about him. I just haven't really seen too many of the movies he's in. I really like uh, Call Me by Your Name, even though that's a controversial movie to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him in Lady Bird. Uh, I can't really think of too many other things I've seen him in, honestly. Maybe it's just because he didn't stand out to me in those. But I think this is, like, his moment right now to really set himself apart. Just, like, with this class of actors that he's in. like. And I know you had said that his, like, portrayal of Paul in this film was a lot different than the other actor's portrayal yeah, of Yeah, Kyle McLaughlin's uh, version of Paul and... See, that's because I haven't read the book fully, and I don't know as much as I should about that. I'm not sure which version is more accurate to how Paul is in the book. Which which did you prefer? Oh, Timothy Chalamet's okay. for sure, because uh, to be honest, Kyle McLaughlin's Paul is a very cocky little asshole. <laughs> like, he knows he's the chosen one. Like, he, he, he feels that way in the movie, and in this one... I know I was just kind of critiquing it earlier that I'm not a big fan of these like emo heroes who, oh, please don't make me be the chosen one. I don't <laughs> want this. But it was a very powerful performance. And, and it is fitting because, I mean, Oscar Isaac's character, his father in this movie, he has a point where he basically says to his son, you know, true leaders are called upon. You know, they usually don't want yeah, to be. Yeah, so it kind of fits into where how they're doing this story. I think if you are listening and you've read the books, let us know. I would like to know which version is more accurate to the original Paul. So, guess like the acting, bro. What what were your favorite parts of the movie? I think 
I had mentioned to this to you. I had mentioned this to you guys before, right after you got out of the theater. One of my favorite parts in this movie is that the, his birthright as a male is second to his birthright as like through his mom in this movie. I don't know how many movies I've seen where some the character even gets both, but then I, I really liked in this movie that it's he's gonna be the head of the the family once his dad is gone, but then also that he's part of the Jenny Besseret. And like this He's council of witches, in their ways. yeah, like his mom's been teaching him as a growing up and teaching him the stuff that she knows. And the one of the main witches in this movie was the teach his mom's teacher. Yeah, and she's like the the main witch who is like the right hand man or woman to the emperor. Correct, and yeah. I just really like that they play such a bigger role in this movie, and I, and I really like that we got. I'm going to say just the right amount of information for it. Like, I want so much more to know about yeah. them. And I want to know why they're so respected. Because it seems that they're running. I told I told you guys that it seems like they're running stuff from the shadows. And they kind of imply that in a lot of the movie. And I just, I don't, I don't know, that, that aspect of, for me, really stood out. And I, something that you said, Nate, when we were eating right after the movie, um, how a lot of the imagery... Looks like uh, I forgot the word that you used. Um, almost like uh, concept art. Concept art, yeah. I, I like that a lot. Like, like when the big sandworm comes out, like how small Paul looks in that scene, and his mom, and just it that shows to me like how big the Dune world, like Arrakis, is, right? And like this is just one of the planets in this big, big scope. And I think that stuff like that is my favorite. My favorite about this movie. I I would totally agree with you. I think. That's what really stood out to me is his ability to take these scenes and like my personally, my favorite part or one of my favorite parts about science fiction and even, you know, fantasy um, type, you know, stuff uh, is concept art because it just everything's so cool and it leaves you asking so many questions about, you know, what's going on here. And I don't know. So for him to have the ability to have these scenes, which basically look like concept art pieces of different sci-fi things that you would see. It, it was just, it was so cool. Um, uh, I really like that part. Of I think movie. we should bring up the cinematographer in this movie okay. because of the scenes, like what you're talking about, like the way that they're able to show you the scale of just how big this world is. Uh, it's got obviously got a lot to do with the cinematography and, and Denis Villeneuve obviously mm. working hand in hand to create this world. But the cinematographer's name is Greg Frazier, and he did Rogue One as well. Oh, I don't know if you guys okay. That. I, I, mean, I don't necessarily that. love that movie, but visually, that movie is one yeah. of the better Star Wars, mm -hmm. uh, like just the way it looks. He also did Zero Dark Thirty. Okay. And he did Vice as well. I don't. Have you guys seen Vice? I don't think That's I have. That's Christian Bale where he plays Dick Cheney. Oh, I, mm -hmm. I have seen that. That's a very good that. movie. It, it I, good I movie. seen that movie. For Shout out to A List drama? because I'll yeah. go see a movie like that because it's for free. Exactly. <laughs> I remember when that movie came out. I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, that's though. a good one. All right. Anyways, back to Dune. Back to Dune. Um, yeah, so just the cinematography. I thought it was he, – he really had a grasp of how to, like, show us the size of this world, which is – immense and gigantic and i don't even know the synonyms to yeah, use to describe this fucking big <laughs> one of my other yeah. <laughs> big fucking big one of my other visually favorite scenes in this movie is when the emperor's i guess you would call him the guy that has the script what would you call that like his legion oh, or like representatives like right like messengers like their the ship when they land it looks like a big egg and like the background looks 
really nice planet. Like Caladan is such a nice planet compared to Arrakis. You know, it just seems like, like he's he ends up saying Oscar Isaac's character, the Duke, ends up saying that it's like here in Arrakis we're powered by wind and and like ocean. I think he says. Yeah, that they have sea power and ocean power and wind power. Oh, sorry, land, land power. Air, power air power and ocean power. And that's a, that's one of my. I think a lot of people said that there isn't too many memeable things in this movie, but I thought like him saying desert power is yeah, one of those yeah, things that, yeah, that I could see funny. being it. Used and used as a meme, but that was one of my, that's some of my favorite stuff. Something that he said that I thought would be used a meme was I think it, it was in that same conversation that you're referencing, and he he says that he's like, oh, I wanted to be a pilot, and it just made me think of his role in the new Star Wars movie. Yeah, oh, you're yeah, right. Yeah, right. Like, I, I feel like yeah. that was a direct little Poe Dameron, he's the Duke of yeah. an entire planet. He's like, I wish I was Poe Dameron. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel like we're giving away a lot of uh, information about ourselves, like that we haven't yet like the whole f- just the fact that we're like you know this movie's pretty memeable right yeah, like exactly <laughs> we're kind of peeling back a layer here because that's not something we've really mentioned in other movies before oh yeah my, we're watching my a certain favorite scene, right scene of the entire movies on right now. <laughs> it's um, a it's a scene when the it, what do they call it tracker hunter, hunter tracker seeker. Hunter, hunter seeker, seeker right yeah. it's the hunter seeker scene and he just stops right before his eye. And I mean, I can't even explain it to him. I like this movie. I can't explain it why it does. Gus was uh, saying that maybe it's because in the book, um, Paul has some psychic abilities. So maybe that's why it stopped right before him. But no I, I don't, I'm just not sure because it's being ran by some a person that they end up finding in this next scene. And I, I don't, and I, and I wonder even why he's dead. I guess they found him and just killed him or they just beat him. Yeah. Like That's something that I was also like, okay. Uh, folks, this podcast is going to be all over the place today because <laughs> we're not really doing a breakdown. We're not really trying to do spoilers. This I feel like this is our first, our first one of these that is just like a live reaction, and we haven't had the chance to have yeah. the movie playing in front of we're us. We're literally yet. just we're sitting on the couch right now, like chewing we're the watching shit. the movie yeah, again right, right now as we speak. I don't even know. Uh, would you consider it's a commentary? Like, <laughs> are we doing a live Dune commentary? So wait for the director. Just, <laughs> just ask us. We'll do it. <laughs> I think this is so funny because we are watching it. So this is something I forgot to bring up to you guys that I think is so funny is that that's the thing. Like oh, to me, to me, that's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah, okay. I mean, like, and it looks like uh, it looks like that. And I just thought it was funny because I had seen a couple people talk about it because she they call it the thing, and I'm like, that's the thing. That's what we never got to see it in the movie, but I just thought that was really funny. I can't believe we're doing a live reaction. <laughs> this is, I'm sorry. Sorry. It's just kind of crazy to me that we're doing it like this. I didn't think we would be able to do it like this for a while. But Dune is the only movie we have so far that we've covered because it's in the theater and on HBO Max at the same time. I Once again, we're really diving into the world of like mainstream movie yeah. making here. I, I know we kind of set out to do indie movies. But there's going to be movies like this that are just so big that we have to see them. I'm also curious if the to everybody that's listening, um, shoot us a DM and tell us if you saw it in theaters if you watched on HBO. I'm honestly just really curious to see how many people actually went out and saw this movie. Yeah, I'm not sure how many people care, honestly, to go see movies in theaters versus at home. No, I don't know. Uh, You can't really blame anyone in this day and age for not wanting to go to theater, honestly. Especially after the pandemic and then our experience, there's this guy that kept coughing over and over and over again. Yeah, I'm pretty, I mean, not to, it's not like this guy's listening or he's going to get in trouble, but I'm pretty sure there was a dude just cracking beer cans in there or or seltzers or something. (laughs) The guy next to me, we were in those chairs, like the recliner type of chairs. The guy next to me was like napping next to his mom. Wow. You know, like he was very comfortable. 
I don't. I I like these theater seats, but I prefer the uncomfortable, shitty movie seats. So I have my attention fully on the movie and not on how much my back hurts. No, I get you. <laughs> give me give me the recliner. Honestly. Give me the recliner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I guess I have no self control yeah. over my sleeping. Coming back into the movie, though, um, one of the other things I really like about this movie is how vital of a role like dreams play, or how um, foretelling dreams are. I I just think. There's this scene, um, a, I mean, a couple a couple of times you've seen Zendaya, like, really early into the movie, right? We know nothing about her, and we just get to know her through little visual scenes. Little music videos. Yeah, that's what they were calling them, right? Um, and it's just, it's just really cool, but she also starts the movie off. It's her talking about explaining what Arrakis is, and I don't know. I just was, I really like a lot of stuff that this movie presented that some people might not like or that seems out of touch or out of place but i don't know i had a lot of fun watching this movie i really like it being a being a person who didn't know shit about this whole world going into it um i'm really excited to see where the whole um it seems like this this movie or book wrestles a lot with uh free will and kind of fate i guess um so i'm, I'm really excited to see how that plays a role into things with our main character because I don't know, you just, you get a lot with the dreams and, the, and such where it seems like he's and the seen, visions, yeah, and visions. And there was one part where some of the witches said that there was a path that has been laid out. Um, so I'm just curious to see, you know, how much of this is going to fall into the the decision making of our main character and see see where what goes from there. Let's talk about our main character. Let's talk about the cast a little bit. Let's do. How that. do you guys feel about this cast? I think they did a good job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, like I don't feel lot. like anyone was miscast no. or anything. I like it. I like everybody in it. Honestly, yeah, it was. It's pretty up there. Like it's powerful, strong Hollywood cast. Yeah. of like main players. You know, Oscar Isaac seems his character. I mean, he's the dad that everybody wants. You know, he's very regal. Yeah, huh? I mean, I get that he's the Duke and all, but Oscar Isaac knows how to carry himself with this. And he, it seems like he has such a good relationship with his son. It, it was a bummer for me to see him. Pass. I also Ooh, spoilers. Oh my god! Spoilers! Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Spoilers! Spoilers! It's okay. Whatever. It's fine. Jesus what? Christ, Nate! Have what some I, control hey, bro, here. Bro spoiled the last one. Okay. When I was gonna, yeah, I did. It's oh, fine. Yeah, That's did true. I did. I was gonna say Sorry, about guys. Oscar Isaac's character. So we just Duke Leto a treaty a Sorry. Um, we suck I, at names. I like. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Um, I like that he's a very compassionate king. I like that um, he, in this scene that we're actually watching right now, like the guards don't want to let one of the, somebody through because they have a knife. And he's very like trusting. And also like he, when he's talking to Paul in a, the scene in the cemetery, he, Paul kind of seems, makes it seem like, is his dad going to be just like the Harkonnens and exploit the planet? But his dad is more about building a relationship with the people that are already that are native to Arrakis. And I just really like that dynamic. Cause I, I don't know, maybe it's cause I like him a lot. I could see him being like, this is the kind of King that Oscar Isaac would be. This is the kind of King I would let rule me. Exactly. <laughs> and and I, I think that, uh, his view of like trying to work with the people of, um, was it Arrakis? Arrakis. Uh, yeah. it, it looks like that might play a big role into how Paul, our main character is going to proceed. And how he deals with things. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know who I want to talk about? Since we're talking about the cast here, let's talk about Duncan Idaho. Let's oh talk about my Jason God. Momoa, my boy. Dude, so funny. <laughs> Super yeah, memeable. Do you feel like he, he fits in? <laughs> um, 
Uh, I mean, honestly, not really. Really? I feel like he's kind of out of place. I do. But he is like that com- like comic relief, like kind of bring you back down to reality type character. So I don't know. And he's a, he plays a very vital role like within the house of Trades. Mm-hmm. Like not so much in this movie, but in the story itself, like of House of Trades, that he's like their master at arms. Like he's like their war dude who like teaches Paul how to fight and he teaches them all how to train. You see that they send him on he goes to Arrakis first to like scout the planet and like kind of figure out what's going on. So it's just kind of funny that it's Jason Momoa. I think that's the reason why I feel like he doesn't fit. I think it might be my, exactly. It might be my own fault, honestly, because like we were talking before we started the pod, like when we see Jason Momoa, it's kind of just Jason Momoa. Yeah. Whoever his agent is, is a boss because it's written into every contract that he's in. I'm I'm making this up, but (laughs) it's written into every contract that Jason Momoa is in that he gets to just look exactly like himself and change absolutely nothing about him. Which I think is pretty baller. Yeah, that's, no, that's sick. Like, it. no, fuck you. I'm not shaving my mustache. Or, this, this same but actually, he does shave in this movie. He but does. I just think it's funny that he gets away with just being himself in every movie. He ends up shaving in this movie, right? <laughs> yeah, he does. Like, halfway through, I think he doesn't have a mustache and yeah. beard anymore. But I just think that's so funny that he gets to be himself all the time. Like, good for you, man. Like you said, Duncan Idaho's character is very integral and respected because it's him and Gurney Halleck, right? It's yeah, Josh, Josh Brolin's, Brolin's character. character. So there's a, there's a scene where um, the Harkonnen need the help of the Emperor's army. And he asked them, like the guy from the Emperor's army, asked him, why do you need our help if there's double of you, Harkonnen, than there is the Atreides? And he's like, well, because they're led and been trained by Duncan and Gurney. And so they're respected in the terms of this empire. Yeah, they they're know badass. that they're badass. And, like, that's why Paul is apparently very skilled, too, because he's been trained by both of them. And I, I, maybe it makes sense to me that somebody like that would look like Jason Momoa, but I think it's funny that you hear, like, the stuff like, my boy, his voice doesn't change, he looks exactly the same. Yeah, the year is 10,191, and we're still saying, my boy, when you yeah. see somebody. You know, so it's it just stuff like that. But I like him. So I have very neutral about it is what I want to say is I don't – somebody maybe could have been better casted for it, but I also can't think of somebody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely like it. I think I just think it's funny. You can you can appreciate something and still think it's funny. You know Correct. What I mean? Yeah, exactly. But I, I just feel like Jason Momoa is kind of branching out right now into other roles, like just besides being Aquaman. And, like, this is a really good start. And if Denis Villeneuve wants him in a movie, in a movie obviously he's a pretty good actor. I and agree. I feel like this is kind of, I don't know if this is, like, a bad comparison or not, but, like, Batista's in this movie as well, Dave Batista, And I feel like he's a great actor. And, he, you know, he was laughable in the beginning. Like, oh, really, another wrestler is going to be an actor. But he's a good actor as well. So, like, I kind of think we have this, like, bias against, like, big buff dudes in movies. We kind of tend yeah. to think that they can't be actors for some reason. Because we got hit it. with The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> right? And we all know how his acting is. So. <laughs> Batista can act circles around The Rock. The Rock is the superior wrestler. Even John Cena. I've been liking John Cena. Yeah, John Cena is pretty funny. I do. I would say that Dave probably wins in terms of the wrestlers that's been in more, more um, respected movies. movie. Prestige movies. Yeah, like... John Cena is lately been in some comedies like, in comedies. And then I remember a long, long time ago when he did that movie, the Marine, which is what I, my those dad took me to go see that. Cause I love John <laughs> Cena and wrestling so much. Correct. And it was, those are like the type of movies that WWE made for their characters. Like I remember triple H was in one. Kane was in one. See no evil. That's see, the Kane one. Exactly. <laughs> see, you remember, but that's like all of those movies were the ones they would make for 
But it seems like Dave Batista is the only one that has branched out. He's been in two Dennis Villeneuve movies, and he always has. I know you really like him in Blade Runner because he has the little glasses. <laughs> the little glasses on the bigger the person, it just it's it's good acting. This is cinema, cinema. You know? <laughs> but bouncing off of characters that we like in this, I I really like the Skarsgård, Stellan, the Baron in this movie. Yeah. He's the villain. Um, he's really really good. I don't I don't know if I've seen him in anything else. Uh, I know you he's guys said in, Chernobyl, uh, right? He's in Chernobyl, and like the, the things you've probably seen him in is he plays Doctor Selick or something like that in the Thor movies. Okay, and he's in the first Avengers movie. You know how Loki is like taking over the tower in the first Avengers movie, and he's got the scientists up there, okay, doing his thing. That's Stellan Skarsgård. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah, so you've seen him in other things. Um, he's, I think, he might be in the DC universe as well. Don't quote me on that. But he's in a lot of big franchise movies. And the Skarsgård, as you were, you guys both were they're saying, they're an acting family. They're, yeah, they're good. I know one of them is it, right? Yeah, one of them plays Pennywise, mm-hmm. and the other one's gonna be in the, um, Robert Deggers' movie. You said right now, Northman. Yeah, yeah. So Oof, can't wait for that. That one's like, This yeah. is like the second time we've brought it on on a podcast. It has nothing to do with it, but yeah, we're <laughs> we're really excited about the Northman. Uh, invite us, a twenty four. Wink, wink. But yeah, um, I really like the Baron in this movie and. Uh, Batista's his nephew, and you said that maybe Batista's character and hopefully the second will play movie. a much bigger role if there is a second movie, which we're hoping for. Please give us another movie. I know. I I'm really hoping there's a second one. Um, I really wait. don't like that we're gonna have to wait like three or four years for this movie. Yeah, that's what I'm. I'm just hoping that if they do greenlight the whole franchise, that they start pump. They you know start filling pump back these bad boys maybe, out, like, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, come on. But <sighs> what'd you guys think of like Zendaya hardly being in the movie at all? That's exactly what I was going to bring up next. What she was in it for. What, what did we say? Like seven. I minutes? think I seen an article. that said they had clocked that she was in the movie for seven. And minutes. I guarantee you probably like five and a half minutes of that is in Paul's dream sequences where she doesn't say anything. So I was surprised that she was in it for as little as she was. I was looking forward to seeing more of her. But like I said, this whole movie just want this made me want more in general. So. Should, you know, Especially because of how it's marketed, right? Like Zend- yeah. Zendaya is always sitting with um, Timothy Chalamet at these interviews that they're doing about it. And through the movie, it shows that she's going to play a very important role. And like it, she plays a very important role in the books and in this story as it hopefully will continue. Her name is what? Chani. Ch- Chani, right? Yeah. yeah. Chani she's is one of the Fremen. You so, know who else is one of the Fremen? Is... Uh, Javier Bardem. Yeah, he plays the leader of the Fremen, uh, Stilgar. I was very excited to see him. I actually didn't know that he was going to be in this movie, um, so I was excited for that. Yeah, it, it isn't exactly like a like a big role. Mm-mm. I think like like we're going to keep saying probably for the rest of the podcast. If there's another movie, yeah. he'll probably play a big role in that as like Paul's. Somewhat other fa- father figure, I would say. Right. So it seems because like. of what Nate already spoiled. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, maybe they missed it. All right. Now you just yeah, maybe they missed it. <laughs> um, but it, it brought joy to me just to see Javier Bardem and Josh Brolin in the same room again. Uh, yeah. A little No Country for Old Ben reunion, yes. you know? <laughs> so I just thought that was cool. Josh Brolin is also someone who's worked with Denis Villeneuve before because I'm sure you guys have seen Sicario, right? That movie yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, and he, he's a badass in that movie as well. I love that Josh Brolin just continues to play this role of, like, I'm a badass. Like, that's pretty much his only character trait. <laughs> have, have you guys seen the other movie that he's in, uh, Old Boy? 
(laughs) (laughs) If you know who you are, you understand that joke was for you. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, That's so funny. But I am going to say, and we were talking about it too, is that it's very hard now to not see Josh Brolin as Thanos. Yeah, it really is. Just because of the the voice. Like, they didn't really do anything with the Thanos voice to change. Like the pitch or the tone of it, so it's literally just Josh Brolin. And the CGI is just it's his chin. The CGI is just you can tell it's him under the CGI, exactly. Which I That's like. So Don't get me funny. wrong, I like. But now it's like wow, it's because he, he. I I think I wouldn't say he's an exceptional actor, but I, I like him in movies. I've always uh, like the type of character that force that just. I wouldn't even know what to call it. Like right now, I'm lo- I just looked over at the screen and he had like an icy stare in his eyes. You know exactly. what I mean? Like he's a good intimidator. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, but he is also really good in this movie. Um, I wanted to ask you guys what you guys thought of Paul's mom, which is Rebecca Ferguson, Lady Jessica. Yeah. And, like, what what you guys thought, like, type, like, do you guys think she was casted good, or can you see somebody else doing that? Because a lot of people I read in the reviews that they had, they really like her in this movie. I think she played a really, really, like, strong role in this movie because... I'm sorry to throw it back to the 1984 one. She's kind of an afterthought, even though she is so important. And I feel like Denis Villeneuve understood that, like, Lady Jessica is much more important than Leto is. So a good portion of this movie is just Paul and his mom hanging out, which I I thought was cool because that's not, like you were saying earlier, just her being, like, such a centerpiece of this movie is not something you've really seen before like the mom being so important they usually throw the moms to the side which is a shame honestly the only movie i've seen lately that bring that i feel so strongly about there where the mom was a big big presence hereditary yeah besides this you know and or like mother or something like that but even then those movies are somewhat casting moms in a negative light and in this movie i feel like they didn't really give it away too much but that Jessica, if, like, Paul is a badass, Jessica is even more of a badass. Because Correct. Because she's basically a superhuman. My uh, my thoughts on her is I think that she was well cast. I like the actress a lot. I don't recognize her from anything else. Yeah, me neither. Or I might just be putting it, putting it out of my head. But I thought she did a really good job. Um, like you said, Gus, I was very surprised. Especially because in my head, just going into it, like, you would seen Dave Bautista. You had seen... Um, Jason Momoa, Oscar Isaac, and Zendaya, Zendaya and everything. And Josh I thought Brolin. The, Josh Brolin. Like, I thought the movie would be more centered around those characters. And then to have, like, the moms in it for the beginning part. But then the second half, a good chunk of it, like you said, guys, is just Paul and Lady Jessica. So to have that, I thought I was surprised by it. Um, it was interesting to me to see once they were kind of out in the desert, like the two of them together, yeah. you saw it seemed like she kind of took a backseat role and is just letting Paul make the decisions, which I think is cool because I think that she knows that he has to make the decisions in order for whatever, you know, path that the witches were talking about to come to fruition. So I'm excited. I think that it was pretty cool to, like, like I said, see her take a backseat and let the kid make the decisions. I feel like this movie and plenty of other movies and hero story, basically any hero story is somewhat of like a religious analogy. Mm-hmm. And this is like very heavy with like the religious overtones and right. the Messiah and like Paul is Jesus, quote unquote. Yeah, exactly. I feel like she very much is like that Mary Magdalene type of role, but not Mary Magdalene, sorry, but, uh, that's Jesus's mom's name, right? Mary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mary. <laughs> Mary Who are you thinking about? Wow, I know more about movies than I do about 
the Bible. <laughs> I miss I misremembered. Sorry, but yeah, his his mom's name is Mary, and I don't even know where I was really going with that. I got so distracted by that. That's hilarious. But yeah, oh my god! But I do like that she let Paul make the decisions because she. Like, this is all her plan, like, for Paul to be the chosen one. And we we know that she defies, like, her orders, which was to only bear daughters because the Bene Gesserit don't want any men in their race. And for Paul to be, like, what she wanted is obviously going against everything that she was trained to do. I thought it was cool in one of the dream sequences that Paul had had. Um, and it showed, it was basically revealing that she was pregnant with the second kid. Um, and she had all, like, the scripture written on her oh, forehead. Cool. And she had the, what are the people called? The supercomputer people that you are talking about earlier? Oh, the Mentats. The Mentats. Um, these people in the movie, they're basically, I guess, you know, supercomputers. Uh, but they're they're given away by, they have, like, a little black um, square. square on the bottom lip. And in that scene, she had had one, too. Oh, she so did, she right? She did, right? So she had the scripture written on her forehead. She was holding the baby, and she had that on her lip. And I'm curious if that's, like, an allusion to how powerful she really is. And I'm curious to see how that's going to play out in the ne- hopefully the next few films. So, I don't know. I think she's going to play a very – I mean, she's obviously playing a huge part already. So. Yeah. I don't know. I like her as a character. I thought she did really good. What was her name as an actress uh, again? Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson. So, I know that – so, when I, I first watched it, I had missed – I know that uh, even he says it in the movie that his visions don't exactly come into fruition. Yeah. But I had missed in that scene the first time I saw it that her eyes are blue and so are the babies. Mm-hmm. And so that it was kind of tying to what you're saying is I think later in the, in the hopefully next movies that we see is she's going to also start to become a very important character for the people of Arrakis. And I keep saying the that. Fremen. The Fremen. Because yeah. I, I always that word just doesn't stick to me. But because now... At the end of this movie, it seems that it's heading that they're going to uh, try to help them and side with them and stay in Arrakis. And I just think it's like very cool that we might see her in the next movies being that supercomputer type of character that, um, what is the, the one that, yeah, Thurir Hawat is the name Thufer. of Thufer, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thufer. Oh, my. But he plays, um, which I, I like that character a lot, too. He didn't, he, um, Paul seems to be very affectionate towards him, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, the mom plays a big, th- what I was going to say is that this movie for a little bit reminded me because of the witches and like leading your son into stuff a little bit like the green Knight too, you know? And then oh, true. I had that same thought. I did actually have that thought, like setting the grounds for your correct kid to make the decisions they need to do what they need to do. Yeah. I it's funny because we were mentioning how Dune has been inspired by so many things or Dune has inspired so many things, but then like, I know that. King Arthur is something that has inspired Dune as well. Right. So then for it to be tied into the whole like Ar- Arthurian legend type of thing. These stories are all somewhat similar. These hero stories. Of course. Yeah. So it can't be helped that they're all going to seem somewhat similar. A hero's journey is a hero's journey. Because after I walked yeah. out of this, after, after I walked out of this movie, I felt like if I had to, somebody's like, what is this movie? You know, in like one sentence or something. Oh, I felt Lord. like it would be. Or just like a quick little thing, it was like it'd be a mixture of me like to Game of Thrones and Star Wars in yeah. terms of um, what to expect visually and also, I guess like the political side of things. Like there's a lot of politics going on, and I know Star Wars. Like a lot of the prequels is really funny. Is based off of like politics and politics, and politics and yeah, space opera. 
and it looks about, like a kid movie about but trading it, <laughs> 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 but this um that's what it, like i walked out after i had seen it alone and thought like wow because i haven't seen game of thrones i just know it's really good and i like a lot of medieval stuff and this seemed very like you said very inspired by arthurian themes is what i would say um but yeah, like, like the whole chosen one thing it, yeah exactly so yeah um it just reminded me that the witches reminded me that same like the green knight that they kind of set everything up for him i kind of have a hot take for this movie give it go ahead is this the best white savior movie of all time <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna answer that question <laughs> Well, that's, actually, that's something we can't ignore. I mean, we can totally skip over this. I just think this is something funny to bring up because, you know, the time we live in and people are always going to bring stuff like this up. But just because it's written in the 60s and it's like the story of Paul and he goes and he adopts all these like Arab names and culture because Dune is like heavily inspired. Yeah, I remember by you telling me about Arabian that. stuff and like even the like the language like Paul's being called Lasan Al Gaib and the Muad'Dib later on and just all these different names. And I think it's very cool that it's inspired by that. But I just thought that was a funny thing that was going around on the internet, that this is like the best white savior movie of all time. <laughs> you know what? I, that's, that's really funny. That's yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I had you not heard it, that. It can't be denied. Cause it is, that is what it is, but it, it's just funny. It did. It, it, it doesn't make the movie better or worse. It's just, it's just a funny thing about it. Yeah. Th <laughs> that is interesting. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to make anyone feel uncomfortable. I just thought that was <laughs> too funny to pass up on. <laughs> that is funny. I was going to ask you guys how you guys thought um, the weapons were in this movie. Like, how you guys felt about Like, the Chris knife? Okay, so that was my biggest thing when watching. There's, like, a huge, like, almost invasion-type scene. Um, and all these ships have these fucking crazy lasers and these, like, missiles and explosives. But these people, they don't have, nobody has guns. Everybody yeah. like swords and staffs and it, it seemed like towards the end of the movie, Paul, the main character, had some type of gun. Yeah, he has like a little pistol. Like a little gets taken away from but him. But like I that surprised me and also kinda confused me. They it, even have cool shields. And yeah, they don't have guns. Like they have full body shields to protect them from these like knives and swords and shit, but Guns There's are uncivilized no guns. weapons. But but you can shoot <laughs> rockets from your from your spaceships. Like I don't know. I the, thought it was weird. The only other gun that I did see is the one that Doctor what's UA. The, UA, yeah. yeah. Doctor UA we end up finding He's like a out. Dark gun. He ends yeah, he, he uses a dark gun. And that was the only other gun that I saw in the movie besides the one at the end that Paul takes. And that's apparently it's it's just talked about more in the scene he has to earn the right to wield that gun too like he gets his own after he's gone the, gone through the practice oh, or something oh yeah cool we're seeing this we're because we're watching this we're seeing a scene right now that nate had just brought up earlier but yeah i don't know i was just like no guns i mean like that's obviously just a you know like a style or story choice by what was the original writer's name frank herbert frank herbert that frank herbert chose i'm guessing i think that's just like a plays with like the more fantasy element of this movie than yeah. it does the sci-fi because I know in a lot of fantasy worlds whether it's like set on a different planet or it's like back in time or it's a, a future where the world has reset to like a medieval time usually guns is not something they like have in these things it's always swords in fantasy I just think it, it more of that whole King Arthur thing it's like just, it's more it intimate. just looks cooler honestly yeah, it's more intimate and then you can yeah the shields the shields are cool I actually like that yeah that, that's you, awesome I thought it was interesting like yeah they have shields and they don't get hit like 
I don't know. I, I kind of want to talk about this, like the technical stuff of this movie. Like you're talking about, like the effects and the set design and all that stuff. Um, I thought the ships looked like, oh yeah, like not really cool because they're very like, oh, I don't even know how to say it. Like brutalist architecture. Like they're very square and just gigantic. They're not really like the way Star Wars makes their ships. No. Like it's the, it's the only other point of reference I really have, or like Star Trek or something like that. But There's, the ships are definitely a little more surreal than I think you're. Typical spaceships. The only ones that are sleek are the ones that Duncan Idaho, when he comes back in the first scene, he has like this, like, um, yeah, it's like a thin uh, saucer like kind saucer. of looking it's thing. A yeah, type of ship, his is the only one that like seems it. like it could be in Star Wars. Everything yeah. else is very, like you said, grand and massive. The one that comes out of the water. Uh, yeah, I think they did a good job to make sure that they set themselves apart from the things that they have inspired. Yeah. They did a good job of making sure they didn't look like Star Wars, which is it's like a it's a real shame that they have to even though they inspired all of this stuff, they now have to worry about looking like the other thing because they didn't like if this had maybe gotten been successful in the 80s, we would have a visual language for Dune already, you know, but we don't have that yet. So, we have to compare it to the what we have seen, which is Star Wars, which <laughs> Took a lot from it, and I just think it's like a shame because I know you've seen the letterbox review, and I don't know if it's trolling or not. It most likely is. They're like, "Why did this movie look so much like Star Wars?" Yeah, <laughs> and I, I hope it was trolling. You know, I'm sure it was. But it also you can't get mad at people if they just don't know. You know, like if they just don't know. No, you can. That dude. <laughs> that that dude is older and was and George Lucas was inspired by it. But yeah, I agree with you. I, I do like that. They weren't like, oh, that could be in Star Wars. The only one I thought was the one that Duncan Idaho. And actually, since we're talking about it, I like how the helicopters work in this movie. I like they're like dragonflies, right? They're called like ornithopters. I thought I thought it was so cool. They look like dragonflies. Yeah, yeah. You know what? The, you know what would be more of like a visual reference that this movie gave me was Halo. Mm. Yeah, like with the giant suits like those kind of look like Master Chief suits. The big giant like ships that haul other ships yeah. remind me of the things you would see in Halo. Like I felt like that really fit the like a reference point. If you have no idea what we're talking about, like because you haven't seen this movie or you haven't, I don't know how you haven't seen anything about this if you're on the internet. But just like think Halo, you know, but not so colorful. Because it's all desert. <laughs> That's I a good did, comparison. I did like the city. What is it? Does the city have a name? Yeah, okay, so they live on Arrakis, but yeah. the city is Arrakeen. Arrakeen. Yeah. I really liked when, when they first arrive at the city, you get this massive aerial shot of the entire city just to kind of give you the scope of it. I wonder if they did that with mini miniatures. Probably. And instead, I, yeah, instead and of some, CGI. It may be that with a mix of CGI in there or something, but that's. I feel like besides one scene that I know you... It's unforgivable. Don't like. <laughs> yeah, I thought the CGI was pretty good. It, it, I thought it was like pretty seamless for. Yeah, for I mean, a lot of nine them. out of ten for the CGI. Yeah. But that scene that I'm mentioning, yeah. it's in the trailer where we see a guy fighting, and then his mask comes off, and it's Paul, and he looks like a PS2 graphic. It's bad, honestly. It's, yeah, I just don't understand how a movie that costs this much and was on the shelf for a whole year could still have a scene that just looked that yeah, bad. Yeah, I just can't. I just don't understand how you can have a whole movie look seamless and beautiful and then one scene just looks kind of like dog shit. But <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yikes, that was rough. <laughs> it's okay. uh, yeah, it did look off, though. And I yeah. wonder if it's because they had an actor doing all those flips and stuff. So they had to CGI his face onto there. Like, what is the reason they even had to yeah. CGI so his face? Post-production. Not trying to compare it to Marvel or anything, but when Iron Man's mask comes off, like up and down, 
that looks like seamless. Like it really does look like he is wearing a helmet and maybe I'm stupid and he actually is, but I've seen quite a bit of the set pictures and I'm pretty sure it's all CGI. I was going to say, I think, I think because Robert Downey Jr. in those scenes is just kind of still standing and it opens. Right. And then that scene, um, Paul's Paul is like flipping and killing like three people. So it might be a stunt actor. And then to like, I guess to not cut or something they're like let's just cgi paul's face into it i'm glad you brought this up the, that that scene like the flipping and everything because i know we like timothy chalamet we've agreed on that already that he's he's really good in this movie but what do you think of him as like a badass do you has that set in for you yet no i wouldn't say that like seeing this movie i wouldn't consider him a total badass yet i mean he has he can fight and he obviously proves his kind of worth towards the end of the movie he demonstrates his fighting capabilities but I think that this movie, he's kind of progressing towards that. Like, yeah. I, I haven't seen him. Like, I didn't see him on screen. I was like, wow, that's my fucking hero. Like, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, he's slowly. He's no yeah. Idaho. <laughs> and he's slowly, like, you can tell he's maturing and kind of dealing with these this hand that he was dealt and these things that he maybe didn't want to deal with at first, but there's really no choice. Not so, after what happens. No. Exactly. So I think that he's kind of progressing. And maybe in the next, the second or third movie, I'll feel that way. But no, I didn't see him. And it was like, yeah, like. Get it? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm glad I wasn't the only one. I wonder how, like, the general audience is going to feel about that. Like, is Timothy Chalamet someone that they believe in as a hero? Because that's what we—that's essentially what we're dealing with. Is kind of like a superhero movie at the end of the day. I know it doesn't really seem like that, but he's a guy with powers and a fantastical world. It's, this is as close as we're going to get yeah. to like superhero without it literally being. I mean, Duncan Idaho kind of makes fun of him in a little scene. It's like very self-aware. I mean, he's like, oh, have you been getting bigger? He's like, really? No. Like, come on. Like, come on. Even, you know, that's not true. Uh, it is a little hard to see him in that light because he's fit. Like, it's so funny because you're biased towards the physically big guys, but like they must not be as good actors. But then like Timothy Chalamet, it's just really funny because he got trained by Josh Brolin and, Jason Momoa. Yeah. So it's very, um, it's there for us to, to, we're supposed to think he's a really good fighter. He's very well trained. Exactly. But it's still just, I don't know. I guess it's just human to just think like, well, he looks pretty scrawny to me, you know, but he's a good, like I said, I like him. He's a good actor. Um, he sold it as much as he could to me, but I don't think he's Nate said it. Well, I don't think you go, that's my hero. Yeah. I think over time, especially if they get to make more of these, that, He's going to be able to set himself apart as, like, a leading man in that sense of, like, a badass or a, an action type of hero. But is a little rough in the beginning. The, uh, the way I'm kind of looking at it, I mean, even since we've been comparing this so much to Star Wars, is, like, compare him to Luke. Like, in the very first scene of Star Wars when you see Luke Skywalker for the first time. Like he's kind of annoying teenager. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's like true. I didn't. I never like same same feeling. I don't look at him and go, "That's who's going to save the galaxy." Exactly. But then towards the second movie, you're like, Luke's a fucking badass. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, when he's fighting, like True. you know the snow monster and shit. It's so a great I feel example. like maybe that's how this is going to progress, and I hope that it does. I think that Timothy Chalamet could deliver that kind of performance, but. You know, I think, maybe, head, I, guess. I think maybe the reason we feel that way too is because you see Oscar Isaac as his dad, and you're like that. That makes sense, like you know, and that, that is a was man. my hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that is my king. Yeah, like hundred percent. That's and, my duke. And it sucks even how he's taken out in this movie. You know how another <laughs> time. I mean, what? It's, it's, been, it's been broken, but I mean, I don't mean. <laughs> I just meant how they like. Um, 
take him out of his role, like it being like he was in a safe spot and how they kind of like, uh, I'm lost of words here that I'm thinking of, like how they get, yeah, how they get him down. And like they have that whole shield, right? And they throw, like, it's just weird how certain things will go past the shield. And certain things That's what I was talk about earlier. The slow blade penetrates yeah. the shield. Slow, <laughs> slow moving objects yeah. can penetrate the shields, but fast moving objects can't. But a dart did. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Maybe it's a special type of dart, right? But because like you could even see it with when they were bombing everything, like they had those things that slowed down and then spun. Yeah, to blow everything up to counteract those shields. So maybe it was something like that. Um, I think we got to talk about the sandworm. Oh yeah, definitely. Should Damn. we talk about them? Tremors? I did have Tremors. Get out tremors. of here. <laughs> the big, the, what'd you call it? The one from SpongeBob? Uh, the Alaskan bullworm. Yeah, big old Alaskan bullworms in this movie. Yeah. So there's there's obviously more than one because um, the, the the doctor, which I I don't want to talk about her later, with her character's doctor, I think it's List. Lien Kite. Lien Kite, sorry. I can't <laughs> fucking read this from this far, apparently. I'm getting every name wrong. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> she, uh, when they're on the helicopter ride, is saying that if you, you're probably gonna see a worm because they come out every single time that they're mining for the spice, and it's because she's like, oh, this is a big one. So obviously, there's not just one one huge worm. There's a lot of worms in this story, and there's one specific one that's, I guess, the biggest. It looks like it's the biggest one. I don't know, obviously, but. Um, Who they he's the special one. Shy Halud. Exactly. He's a special one. And the scene that he comes out in here, he's chasing uh, Paul, is is very, very interesting. I believe in, like, the lore of Dune that, like, there's a great sandworm. Like, one that they, the people of, or the, the Fremen that they worship as, like, their god. Just because... I mean, it's a giant monster who lives on the planet. What are you going to do, right? I guess you kind of got to worship They make worship kni- knives it. from his teeth. That's badass, Pretty right? Cool. Those are cool. I'll give him that. Yeah, the Chris knife. That's the Chris knife, right? Yep. The one he keeps seeing in the visions. Yeah. No, that's cool. What I was going to say is her character, what I like that she... Talking about the doctor here? Yeah, exactly. She, she takes him to, like, that ecological spot, and then she starts talking about how the planet Arrakis could have been a paradise. But as soon as they found out there was spice, they kind of abandoned the idea of helping it and making it full of water. And I just kind of like that ecological aspect into this movie Throne too. that there's like, that's something um, that don't really see much of. And I, I just like the thought of there was, everybody just kind of quit because there was, there was money to be made. And capitalism, baby. Yeah, even in ten thousand one ninety one. Commentary on capitalism, which is always good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, this isn't really about the actual character in this movie, but just the lineage of who's played this character is that Max von Sydow from The Exorcist, Father Marion, played Leon Kites in the in the original Dune. I just think that's cool that she's adopting that role from like such a legendary actor, such an iconic yeah. film like the exorcist. Yeah. I thought it was cool that he was in the original and yeah, she gives a definitely strong performance in this one. Her role is a lot bigger in this film as they don't really focus on that character too much mm. in the original Dune, but in this one, she plays a very vital role. Yeah. It, it does seem like she plays a really big role because there's a point where it seems like she knows information from directly from the emperor. Yeah, she seems to be, like, the most, or the person in this story who's the most tied in to every, like, aspect of what's going on. Because when Duncan, um, yeah, Duncan comes back after something, I don't want to give out 
there's too many spoilers. Sorry. That's why I'm not getting specific. But he gets mad at her for not warning them about certain things. And she says, like, I can't I can't give information, even what I know. I, I can't tell you guys. She's supposed to not pick any sides. Exactly. She directly works for the emperor. But she ends up picking a so side. We, yeah, which we think. There's a, there's a lot of people that have their own motivations. And agendas. In and agendas. Movie. And it's interesting because you have these people who are loyal to the emperor. And, you know, like, I can't give out any information. But the emperor seems like a total dick. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest, like, from the little that we, on the, you know, his, his agenda that we've seen, like, that guy's a total dick. So, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we had a lot going on on, like, the political aspect of this and, like, everybody having their own agenda. The Har- the Harkonnens have their own agenda. The Emperor's got his own agenda separate from them. The Bene Gesserit have their own agenda separated from everybody. Partnered with their agenda yeah. with the Emperor. Lady like, Jessica's got her own yeah. thing going on. The Duke has his own thing going on. The Fremen have their own thing going on. It's huge. It's a huge world. Yeah, every and everybody... This is what I mean about like it inspiring Game of Thrones and like that aspect of just all these different people like playing, yeah. making the play. For House the of Treaties, House Harkonnen. Yeah, know? just that alone. Like the another uh, another aspect of this film that I I guess it is kind of a complaint or a critique or just something that I wish I would have gotten is from the time that the how, what is it Artre what is it Artreus Artreus Atreides Atreides I'm sorry oh I hey, what it is what it is man. <laughs> Um, I wish we got more time of their taking, o- not taking over, but their move into Arrakis. Yeah, that's it, a very short It's a very, like, you get this one little clip, like, where they had to save the people on the thing from the worm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And other than that, you didn't get a whole lot of, I don't know, them on the on the planet. I wish we would have seen more. I wish we would have seen a little bit more about, I don't know, maybe in the book, does do they take over that fast? Like, does that shit happen that fast? Yeah, but with books, you have pages and pages right. of things that are just describing one single sequence. So then it, it just feels like a lot longer. Yeah. So I guess I wish I, we would have got a little bit more of that, but no, it was good. I do wish this movie was longer. That's one of my mm. only complaints. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I, I could have got it all right now. That's my only complaint. It, um, I, You know, this is like... I don't want to say close to a perfect movie, but it's pretty up there, like on my best of the year so far. It is. It, I just it, think I w- we've been thirsty for something like this for a long time that wasn't Marvel or DC. Yeah, it's just something new. It's something big. It's something new to me. Um, I don't know. I th- I love sci-fi. Like I love sci-fi shit, and th- the scope of this world is just getting me super excited. That it's something that I don't know anything about. Do you think you might read the books? Maybe. I think I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna. I, you're yeah. gonna attempt it. You're <laughs> yeah, gonna attempt for it for sure. I'm very curious because I don't know. I love. I love the whole political thing it has going. I wish we got. A, wish we would have gotten a little bit more of that in this movie. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just want to dive into this world, honestly. I want to ask you because we had we had a kind of opposing views about this. I thought the first like hour or so kind of dragged but you said you felt like the second half dragged. i did um yeah we did have opposing views on that i thought that the part with which it's crucial and i talked about it earlier like the whole part with his mom in the desert and her letting him make the decisions and guide them to you know wherever they're going um i felt i just felt like it dragged like i get that it was important but uh, i think i liked the beginning a little bit more because like i had no experience with this world really so getting all the exposition yeah getting the exposition was good getting to learn the characters i was enjoying um the change from the two worlds i liked 
and then the end, it was just kind of like, you know, them journeying. So, which I don't mind, but I guess this is my personal opinion. What about you, Ro? Um, Do you feel like any part of this movie dragged? I think, I want to say that, that I did feel like in the middle, which is funny because you guys have oh first part God. or second <laughs> part. <laughs> okay, so basically the whole thing sucked. No, I'm just kidding. Be like, but there's like... But I don't really feel like it dragged. I could see how somebody would think it dragged. I don't think it dragged. Like you said, I do feel more in towards, like, I could have watched another 45 minutes of this to get more of the lore down. Like, I would have, I'm already invested with the 230, just have me there for the 310 or 320, whatever it may be. So I didn't, I personally didn't feel like it dragged out too much. And I don't even want to say, I don't want to say that it dragged, because there are movies that drag. Like, yeah. this was not, it wasn't boring, it wasn't, I wish it didn't happen, it was just, it was a little bit, it was, I enjoyed the first part a little bit more than the second part, I guess, um, but it was in no means, like, slow or boring or anything. Yeah, I think dragged's probably the Dragon, wrong word. Yeah, it but. was definitely the, not the right word, but I preferred the first half over the second half, still really enjoyed the second half, uh, yeah. What do you think, should we start wrapping this up? You guys want to keep going? Yeah. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think I have really... Oh, I feel like we're not say. really breaking it down. That's why. This was just more of a live reaction. Yeah. Honestly, uh, uh, <laughs> I could see us doing more episodes on this movie later oh, on. Oh, for sure. Like maybe doing a proper breakdown and things like that. I want to I want to look up the lore and learn some more about it and then kind of see how Denny took it, honestly. I mean, we're going to have a little bit of time when the year ends. I don't want to get too much behind the scenes here, but when things start slowing down and there's not so many new movies on a weekly basis, I would really like to take the time to just fully dive back analyze into all it. of this and analyze it. It's like some some things I want to bring up that I I wanted to see more of was for example the writing of the worms. And I know we saw <laughs> of like course, a little a yeah. little bit of it. It's basically a tram. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's basically yeah, it's basically oh a, a tram from 10,100 and what is it 10,181 or something like that. That is something going back to the setting of this. It's just a tram, sorry. It, that's so good. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say that I really enjoy about this movie is I don't it feels to me like he went into the future and started recording. I don't I know it's like very good CGI besides that one one spot that we were talking about. But a lot of it feels like how did this this was another, this was in another planet. Right. That's what it feels like to me. This you went into the future and this is something that you documented. This is almost a documentary. That's how I like to think of it, at least. Um because there's just certain shots and the way this world is. Yeah, we're looking at it right now, and it's like, wow, it's like I can't, I can't believe that this is all CGI. So that's something I really enjoyed about this movie. It really made me immerse into the universe. Um, again, shout out to cinematographer. But yeah, those are some of my other thoughts that I wanted to bring up. Yeah, I think my closing thoughts would be, I mean, hey, see this movie. If you have HBO... Watch it at home if you don't want to go to the theater. And if, if you don't have HBO, I mean, I don't know why you don't have HBO, but you should get it. Um, this movie was really good. Uh, it really got me excited for what hopefully becomes a long-lasting franchise. Uh, if, if you're into sci-fi, if you're into politics, if you're into... It, drama and anything. betrayal yeah like this movie it's it's, it's got, got a lot of for it. everything if if you just want to go see some cool shit if you like zendaya and yeah. timothy chalamet also you stands. a good movie to see so yeah that's that's how i'm gonna wrap it up go see this movie it, it was fucking it was good okay let's see i definitely think this movie was very 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 good 
I, I, the only thing I really knock it for is the, like, it being incomplete since we may never get another one. I know that sounds unlikely, but just, just trust me. If you're into movies, you know Warner Brothers does some shady shit with the franchise. brought up a lot of good points on that, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too much into it again, but I brought up to you guys like four or five instances of them ruining franchises or fucking over a director. So I just hope that doesn't happen with this movie because it, it deserves better than that. We deserve better than that. I think this movie really proved like what franchise movie making could be. Like just phenomenal stuff Mm -hmm. on every end. Um, I think Denis Villeneuve is just like solidifying himself that really no one is doing it like he does. The only other two people, and don't take this comparison too seriously, that are doing it on like his level to me are like Christopher Nolan, obviously. They, They are very similar. I think so. In a lot they of ways. Are. They are. Um, and they've come out like, a, they've they've like come up in a similar time together. And then the other director, I, <laughs> I don't know how you guys really feel about this guy. We haven't talked about it too much. But Zack Snyder is really like the only other director that does movies like on this level of like big movie making scope and scale like Justice League and yeah. like 300 and stuff like that are just like the huge giant set pieces like Army other than dead. like other than like Star Wars and Marvel and stuff like that which we know we don't really like talking about that much and I don't mean to say Zack Snyder's anywhere close to Denis Villeneuve but just this scale of movies I was going to say I would definitely put him below those two directors but the 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 grasp on the big scale movies yeah I would agree with or you. like or wanting to take that challenge of like I'm gonna make the biggest like, thing possible yeah. let me let me pump out a four hour movie yeah like that's awesome like I really yeah. appreciate that we yeah. have these few auteurs who are willing to do this kind of stuff because the ones we really like who are more in like the indie world I always wish that those movies were like a little bit longer or that we could get more stuff out yeah. of them so Give like them a little bit more money like I love that Denis Villeneuve has his movies like Enemy and Sicarios and Prisoners and stuff like that but his last 3 of Arrival t- Blade Runner 2049 yeah. and this I really do think he's solidifying himself as like the next great sci-fi director the scope is huge yeah I can agree with that yeah yeah so uh what do you think? Should we wrap this up? Yeah, wrap it up, man. Yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> this has been a very different episode, very off the cuff, very unplanned. Um, but I just feel like this is what Dune does to somebody. My mind is lost right now in the spice, man. How yeah. many worms out of five do you guys <laughs> give it? Bro, this oh is God. this is easily four and a half worms out of five. I'm gonna do four and a half too because I can't give it five because of the incomplete nature of it. That's what I gave it too. I, I could I could agree the incomplete nature of it. Four point five. Worms out of five, five worms. worms. What, uh, what's going to be our code word of oh, this yeah. podcast? Ooh, it can't be what the intro was. <laughs> I think right. I think uh, the SpongeBob worm reference is pretty good. Alaskan bullworm? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, okay, if, so. if you made it to the end of this episode, go ahead and DM us on uh, Instagram, the Alaskan bullworm. And the, the Instagram is the Grand Cinema Hotel. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like and subscribe. You know the deal. Smash a motherfucking like button. <laughs> Actually, right. But, oh, you got I, one more thing to say? No, about the YouTube channel because you brought it up. There's a good amount of, well, more than we expected on some of the videos that we're watching. And was that some of the demographics you pulled up? No, right? That was from um, who's that, listening on the streaming sites, yeah, right? Yeah, that's like on li- from podcasting, not but the YouTube side. On, on YouTube, uh we did not the best job of promoting on there because it seems like it took us a while to promote on there. But whoever's listening on there, 
I think that one is filled with a lot of people who actually don't know us. I think that one is just picking up a lot of traction from YouTube's algorithm. Just wanted to say thank you for that. And oh yeah, if you if you if you're listening to us through YouTube, like that's how you found this podcast. Come follow us on Instagram. DM us. Let us know. We want to talk to you guys. Yeah. Um, if you think we're dumb, let us know yeah. that we uh, did not do a good job <laughs> on this. We are, you know. <laughs> hey, whatever, man. I never said I was a critic. I'm just a fan, right? <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, yeah. All right. So, Alaskan bullworm. If you made it this far, the Grand Cinema Hotel. Bye. Bye. Good night, guys. <laughs>